the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So you may, if you've been watching the news at all, uh, realize what is going on in China, where their oppressive Wuhan virus lockdowns have... um, Well, spark protests, finally. People have had enough. They've been locked away for more than a year, some of them. And China's not a country where dissent is welcomed. And so you will find videos out there on social media, at great peril to those who have posted the videos, I might add, of Chinese authorities going through town like they look they're they're in hazmat suits. I mean, they are so, you think, you think fear in America of COVID is crazy, and it is crazy. It is ramped up to the nth degree in China, where over the weekend, there was a fire at a high-rise apartment building, and the firefighters could not get in. The, the fire was on the, like the 10th floor. They had locked the building down because somebody in there tested positive for COVID. They feared somebody had COVID. They just let them burn. They let them burn to death. Um. Even in societies where rule is accomplished with an iron fist, there is a breaking point where people realize that whatever future they deem themselves attempting to preserve is a future not worth having if they are, in fact, going to be treated like disposable people in the eyes of the government, when they won't even come to rescue you if your building is on fire, but will let you burn to death, then what are you really preserving by staying quiet? This is the realization that it appears many, many people in China, in many, many different cities, have come to. And so this, of course, sparks questions at the White House from the White House press corps, because when there's an uprising, particularly in a nation that is an enemy of the United States, one that steals our intellectual property, one that clearly would like to take away our spot atop the world stage. It's a fair question to ask people at the White House, what do you think of the protests that are going on in China? So this is not a question that comes out of the blue that the White House should not have been ready for. It's a question that should have been vetted at the highest levels before it was ever asked. And the proper response to this question is, of course, that, you know, we as a country are a country that prioritizes freedom and liberty. And I just quote from the Constitution, everyone in our country has the right to what? Life. Everyone has the right to life. And if you're going to be locked in an apartment building that is on fire where you are perishing, and they deem it, the authorities in charge, deem it a better decision to leave you locked in there, to burn to death, well, then you don't have the most basic right that people in America have. So this question was put to 
John Kirby, who's the spokesperson for the White House, when they know that Corinne Jean-Pierre would be way over her skis to be at the microphone. And, of course, it came from Peter Ducey of Fox News uh, about China and about the protests in China and whether, you know, the United States of America, where let freedom ring, might be able to offer some encouragement to these poor Chinese citizens who don't even have the most basic right, which is the right to life. Instead, listen to Kirby's uh, very impotent response. Why is the White House's line that everybody has the right to peacefully protest and not the U.S. thinks it's bad to lock people up in their houses to stop COVID? We've, we've made it clear, Peter, that uh, uh, a, a, a lockdown is, is not a policy that, that uh, we're we're going to support here. Obviously, there are people in China that, that have, a, have concerns about that, and they're protesting that, and we believe they should be able to do that peacefully. So he's basically knocking the Chinese citizens for protesting and getting violent, not complying with the people who come through. They're coming through the streets, and they're looking for their phones because they want to see if they've posted anything on their phone that would be in opposition to the government's stance on this, which is don't post anything, don't try to get around our system of controlling every bit of information that comes out of our country. Even amid protests that are, well, the worst protests in China since Tiananmen Square. Now, what's really interesting about this tepid response from the White House is that it mirrors the tepid response from American big tech. There is a sharing program of some sort on iPhones sold in China where it's kind of like it's kind of like Dropbox, okay? So if you have a file sharing program, you take a video of something, you want to send it to somebody, it's too big to text it, it's you put it in a like a in a cloud and then you send a link to that particular video on the cloud and people can go and they can get the little short link to it and it shows up via file transfer. Apple, <laughs> this is hard. To, I mean, it is hard to imagine, and it's not hard to imagine, because how much money does Apple make off Apple devices in China? I mean, think of how many, how many billion people are there. So Apple disabled the file sharing app at a certain level. It still works like in a rudimentary way. But they disabled it to the point where if you want to send a file that would be big enough that would have any kind of demonstrative view of these protests in China, you don't have, Xi Jinping doesn't have to do the heavy lifting on that. The Chinese Minister of Information or whatever other titles they have for people who do the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party, they don't have to come up with this. How are we going to keep this information out? No, Apple is just unilaterally disarming it so that people in China cannot post things via file sharing so that people here in the United States of America can post them. Of course, this kind of thing is not foolproof because if you go on social media and follow certain people, specifically those like Jack Posobiec at Turning Point USA, you're going to see, you're going to see videos of military tanks going through the streets in China. You're going to see videos of Chinese authorities, police, 
dressed in their draconian outfits with their bubble hats on and their hazmat suits on, looking at people's phones. This situation is uh, one that bears watching because when you get to a point, you get to a, a tipping point where people have had enough, and when they watch people burn to death, what's the first thing they're going to think? That could be me. That could be me. And it could be you. It could be you. It just so happens that was not the building that caught on fire. Your building was not the one that caught on fire at that particular point in time. So what I'd hope to hear from the White House, I would hope to hear something from the White House. I have a, I have a, I have a vivid memory of a former U.S. president saying something in a situation similar to this that is an icon- iconic moment in American history. You remember when there were protests in East Berlin about the Berlin Wall? And Ronald Reagan said to Mikhail Gorbachev, the Russian premier, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's an iconic moment in American history. Contrast what John Kirby said yesterday. Well, you know, we would hope the protests would be peaceful. Not exactly Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I don't remember Ronald Reagan saying, yeah, you know, I understand why they'd be a little bit upset, but, you know, they should be careful not to, not to upset the East German authorities. Don't rattle the cage of the communists. No, that's not what he said. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's the end of the Cold War, folks. The end of the Cold War. What this underscores is we do not have a leader It's been demonstrated in Afghanistan with a withdrawal. It's been demonstrated. It's being demonstrated right now in Ukraine. This Ukraine war is going nowhere. It's going to go back and forth, back and forth. 20% favors Ukraine. Oh, now the Russians rally. 20% favors Russia. It's going back and forth. It's a never-ending war, and we're funding it. If we had a leader who would negotiate an exit for both parties, that they could both claim victory, then maybe we could stop spending on that. But we failed in Afghanistan. We failed and are failing in Ukraine, and we're failing here to articulate a clear position on China. We are not yet in December, but we are definitely in Christmas television and movie show time, right? We got... I'm sure Hallmark movies out the wazoo, Christmas-related. Is that Great American Family start? Network going strong yet with Candace Cameron Bure? I think they all started like November 1st I think they or do something. Too. Yeah. I uh, saw one of the uh, women the other day that filmed uh, Christmas at the Greenbrier. Now Fox Nation is doing Christmas movies. They did Christmas at the Greenbrier in June. That's when they filmed it. No oh, goodness. So they're all dressed up in their mink coats and their <laughs> overcoats in... Uh, West Virginia in June. Big snow. Yeah, yeah. That had to be a little uncomfortable. But you were telling me, Pam, tonight is a classic. Tonight is, to me, a a huge memory for me growing up uh, back when you only could watch three or four channels. Three channels, yeah. On your TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer airs at 8 p.m. tonight on 10 TV. So. Now, this is a throwback because I'm not sure what the style of animation is in Rudolph either. the Red-Nosed mm-hmm. Reindeer, but it's a different Planet. kind of am- animation mm-hmm. than you would watch in, say, you know, a Bugs Bunny cartoon mm-hmm. or certainly anything that's been made before 50 years ago. 
But I don't know exactly when that came about, mm-hmm. but it um, did they have the movie and that sparked the song and the song is timeless and so is the movie. That's a good question. Yeah. I would imagine the song Gene was written Autry for the movie. Did the song? Yes. Yeah. The Singing Cowboy. So then, tonight at 8 on Channel 10. Tonight at 8, I always thought it was exciting. For some reason as a kid, I knew, I just knew that everyone that I knew was watching at the very same time. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> now, uh, this afternoon, a lot of people's eyes will be turned to the television because the U.S. men's national team, soccer in the World Cup, is playing Iran. I have to say Iran because I guess a U.S. soccer player referred to it as Iran the other day, and uh, one of the Iranian journalists called him out for it, for mispronouncing the country. Um, my daughter plays college soccer. I have watched a lot of soccer games. My wife used to coach high school soccer. She coached youth soccer. All three of my children have played soccer. I do not hate soccer. I actually like soccer. But I have zero interest in the World Cup, and it has nothing to do with the fact that the U.S. has no chance of winning it. It has everything to do with the fact that this World Cup, both on the world stage and by the United States team, has been politicized to a point where I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested. There are political controversies around this World Cup all over the place. For instance, it's being held in Qatar, which if you look at it, it's, Q-A-T-A-R. You might think it's Qatar, but it's Qatar. Uh, They have literally all the money you could ever want in Qatar. In fact, I was approached by a businessman about a year and a half ago if I'd want to get involved with, like, the kind of entertainment they were going to have in Qatar. Would you like to go to Qatar? I'm like, no, I don't want to go to Qatar. Thank you, but I don't want to go to Qatar because I don't feel safe as an American overseas in uh, a Muslim country. I just don't feel safe. Too many bad things could happen. For instance, they've spent, get ready, $200 billion, $200 billion building stadiums in Qatar for the World Cup. What's the utility of those stadiums after the World Cup leaves? Like, what are they going to like, become camel pens over there? What? But it's worth their money to do it because they've got the money to do it. Reports yesterday that 400 to 500 migrant workers died as a result of their work on these stadiums to build this palatial World Cup stage in Qatar. 400 to 500! That tells you they do not have OSHA standards in Qatar. So they import these migrants and they just basically in four to 500 cases, work them to death. Okay, that's a major scandal. It's being covered up because Cutter's trying to control everything that comes out of there. There's a big controversy over Cutter being a country where the LGBTQ lifestyle is illegal. Not just frowned upon, but illegal. Now, this is interesting to me because you know I do not sanction and feel that the LGBTQ lifestyle is healthy for anyone. But I believe in freedom. You can make choices even if they're choices that are damaging to you. So I would not sanction it being illegal. I think there are limitations that should apply. I don't think it should be allowed to um, result in same-sex unions being called a marriage. But I would not make it illegal. But they have had people, American journalists, trying to get into games with rainbow flag apparel on. 
the U.S. men's national team for a while changed the crest on their uniform to reflect rainbow colors. There's been this kind of poking of the bear on the LGBTQ issue because in America, you know, we glorify the LGBTQ agenda. Here's the thing, though. The dichotomy of this is, to me, interesting. In the United States of America, if you tell people who are coming across the southern border that they need to learn the language, they need to assimilate into American culture, or people who come here from the Middle East and they want to congregate in a pocket of a certain American city, we must respect their culture, right? We must respect their culture. We must allow them to be them. We must allow them to have their mosques and their this and their that, whatever. But when we go over to Qatar, do we respect their culture? Or do we try to inject our culture in their culture? See, there's a dichotomy there that no one here wants to acknowledge, but the dichotomy definitely exists. They had a protester the other day arrested running on the field with a rainbow flag. Okay, go ahead. Whatever statement you think you're making, you're only going to put yourself in legal jeopardy in a country that clearly does not share your viewpoint of the LGBTQ lifestyle. Yesterday, U.S. coach Greg Berhalter, former coach of the crew here, uh, pleaded basically uh, the fifth on the fact that for a while, the U.S. depiction of the Iranian flag did not have the symbol of the Islamic Republic on it. It just had the colors. This was thought to be a way for the United States to show its support for protests going on in Iran related to the death of the woman because she wouldn't wear the headdress in uh, the city streets. And Burhalter said, you know, basically like, what are you asking me for? We have no idea what U.S. soccer put out. The staff, the players, we had no idea. Meanwhile, meanwhile, he's saying, I'm not political. Don't put me in that jackpot. Meanwhile, he's sitting up front wearing a sweatshirt that says what on the front of it? States. Not United States. Not USA. Not the flag. It says states. And he took criticism for this a couple days ago, maybe a week ago, when the U.S. played its opener because he was wearing a T-shirt that said just the word states on it. Nike gave him a T-shirt made by Nike. Didn't say United States. Because you get it, we're not united. See, Greg Berhalter wants to stand on the sidelines at the World Cup, and he wants to make a statement about the political situation in the United States. We're not united, so I'm going to wear a shirt that just says states. And he took criticism for it, as he should have. And he goes back to a press conference where he sits up front and says, don't hold me responsible. I, I know nothing. I'm Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing. I see nothing about the absence of the Islamic Republic emblem on the Iranian flag. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here again in a shirt that I know that people in the United States, many of them, don't approve of. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.